20 years ago, you could turn and burn business. You got a camera, a cell phone, and information at your fingertips. You're not turning or burning anybody anymore. There's none of that anymore. You're going to be held to your peers, and you're going to be held to what happens instantaneously. I've struggled in matters of integrity in my life, and if we're going to be transparent, I know you have too. So I've invited an expert, Charles Casey, in this area from the most unlikely of places, car sales, to share what real integrity looks like and how it manifests itself to exceed any expectations of an amazing experience. I can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. We live in a world where more and more and more is expected of us, especially with technology. Jeez, think about your text messages. Absolutely. People are constantly expecting you to respond. Instantly. Instantly. Emails, inundation, right? All of that. And so we've got to really start creating boundaries Mm -hmm. so that we can be true to what we are what we know we can be committed to. I carry respect for people that maybe when I was younger, that would make me mad at some point. And I, I use this term. What's the best way I can say a little confused, but I do throw it out there. They're almost intimidating to me. And then later on, I, I ended up respecting the person. They were intimidating to me because I knew when I was coming to them to ask them something as we are with anybody, there's a chance. There's, you're, you're a 50-50 chance you ask somebody something. You may know the history to kind of get an idea where that answer is going to lead, but the other one's always there. And sometimes when they said no, maybe that was the intimidating part. Maybe it's a part I didn't like because I was like, man, that's, they, they just turn me down. Nobody wants right. to be turned down. Nobody yeah. wants to hear no. But later on, you sit back and you look at that person, and if they did it with a, a word that we've used a lot today, love and integrity, you respect that person for standing their ground and making the right decision. It wasn't a decision you wanted, but you thought enough of that person that, you know what, it wasn't meant to be. It, w- it wasn't what they could do or it, wasn't, or it wasn't something that was feasible. But you know what, instead of lying or tickling my ears, they love me or thought enough about me to give me an honest answer to my face. It's a really good way to put it. And so even, and not that we owe anybody, but even an explanation. If you have trouble saying no, like myself, saying here's why this is a no, because I would I would let you down because I don't have the resources right now to do that. Or maybe this needs to be further out and say, well, I could help you, but it would be you know six months from now or three months from now or whatever it is or things like that. I think that then it frames a better picture. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, maybe there's even greater respect. Absolutely. I think that that's an issue that in business in business we face because we we tend to sometimes overpromise and underdeliver because of that because we want to say yes to too many things the oput was when i first started the car business i came in and they were like man what you oput yo put yo put i don't play what do you mean old putt? under overpromise under deliver and we had a thing in the car business and my manager who i have a lot of respect for but at the time when when you have a mentor it is a building you up sometimes, but sometimes it's tearing you down. Our, our preacher said something this weekend. If you can't be broken down, you can't be used because you're not going to be learnable. Until you right. take your pride and yourself out of it, you're not going to listen dedicated enough to what someone else tells you. So most parts, people have to be broken. The military breaks you down. Any job, they break you down, and they don't want you to learn your way. They want you to learn their way. And kind of my, my spin in this is that 
when you're dealing with something like that, you're kind of thinking that, man, what, what am I going to do? Because I, I've went so far, I've went so far backwards or I'm, I'm broken down, but I'm not, I'm going to be, it just wasn't that time. You know, I got respect for that, that person because I thought enough of them because later on it, it probably is going to be a yes, but I'm not at that point. I'm not ready. The situation wasn't right. Uh, we talked about this a minute ago, something that you hope to happen so bad didn't happen. And now you sit back. Everybody's got the story. If I'd have left for work five minutes earlier, I'd have been in that accident. If I didn't cancel that plane trip, this and this happened. And sometimes when we sit back at the further end of business or everything, you realize some decisions I made last year that I did not think were that good. When I sat back and got the outside the box picture and I couldn't just look at the road in front of me, I looked at the journey. Wow. What would I have done if, if that didn't happen? Where would I have been if this didn't happen, I'm sure everybody, everybody's anybody that's successful took a chance in life that someone else wasn't willing to, to take. They were disciplined enough to say, I'm going to do this different than what someone else does because I see a bigger picture to it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that was a thing. I like that. Oh, So over-promising, under-delivering, we know we do it, especially maybe when we're new and we're just trying to, you know, get going in business. And I think people do it throughout and they, maybe they get to a habit of it. Did you suffer from that or did you overcome it? Or were you always like, no, I, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot him straight. I did a lot of it and so much of it because, and it happens when you're sitting there and someone's asking you questions and they're buying or doing something from you, you want to be the yes guy. Yeah. Cause at some point you might get a no or two in there, but if you're not, if you don't have what they're looking for, eventually your no is going to turn into where we at. So it got to be where at the end of some things that people would ask me, you call it one more thing. Hey, let me get one more thing. Hey, can I get one more thing? And I started realizing my, my boss said, you're being puppy dogged. And I was like, puppy dogged. What do you mean? He said, you're being lap dogged. I said, what do you mean? He said, when the first time they ask you for something, they want to see what your response is. You agreed with them. The second time, the third time now, you're not in customer service. You're being used, and now you're promising stuff to keep that just what we started with. You don't want to tell them no, but now you've promised so much that we're back to the integrity thing. So where am I at the end of the sale? Because I've told this guy everything. The car's the best. This is the best. This is it. Sure it is. Sure it is. Sure it is. Well, now we're signing, and the money comes out, and not everything's like I said it is. So now all the time I thought and attraction I gained, I'm not going forward. I'm going backwards to try to get to the same place I was. So did I save time? Because now I'm going to spend time to go back to where I, where, where I thought I thought I was. We had a thing called a WIO. And if you had to buy or get one more thing after the sale, we always had a WIO. And my boss always said, this is a puppy dog too. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you need to take care of everything while your customer's there as much as you can because when they leave and you leave that wheel, you've left a, an opening for one more thing. You've left mm -hmm. an opening for you haven't closed, you haven't completed a sale, you haven't completed a task. So now you have 10 customers out with 10 wheels. On Monday, are you going to wait on new customers Monday and Tuesday and get new business? No, you're re-earning the same money you've already been paid. And it took me a minute to think about that. And he was like, you, you were already in there. You had the opportunity to do this. Now, instead of four hours on this deal, you're going to have eight hours because you've, you've left it open. So I guess at 50 years old, my biggest thing is, is I want to figure out what's the best way 
I can take care of as many of your needs efficiently as possible. Yeah. I guess that's the best way. What's yeah. how efficient can I run my business, whether it's no, yes, or whatever, to where I can always make a consistent commitment to you. And that's what I look for. My answer isn't so much yes or no is can I consistently give you good customer service where sometimes I have to cut it off. Yeah. And and that's your responsibility in leading this this engagement. I look at sales and leadership. I mean, you've always been a star in terms of how you've you've been able to create relationships and repeat business. And so, I mean, that's part of your leadership model. And I think sales and leadership go hand in hand when, because we're talking about influence. And I think that if you think about leadership, leadership is about a journey and a destination in some ways. So uh, first leadership clearly is about destination because you want someone to take you someplace. And then of course, along the journey. And so like one example is like during election time, people will say, Hey, Nate, you know, what are some ways I can figure out who to vote for? I said, well, I asked a lot of questions, two of them being, do they know where they're going? And do you want to go there? Right? So those are great starting questions in a conversation, but that's really leadership questions, right? Mm -hmm. Do they know where they're going? And do you want to go there? And this is the same thing in sales. Like, for example, let's just talk about car sales, because, you know, you, I think I understand and our audience understands sort of the typical stereotype of car sales, Absolutely. right? Now, of course, I know a lot of people in the industry, a lot of people with integrity, and of course, some that don't have great scruples, right? Or unscrupulous, I guess the, the term would be. And so, you know you, you know, you identified that early and said, well, I don't want to be identified with being unscrupulous. So I do want to create good, strong, lasting relationships based on mutual trust, right? And I think that's one of the ways that you're, that you've been able to continue to grow. But saying that is saying, look, here's a destination that I can take you with this sale, if you will. And you lay out all the parameters of that destination, right? Here's, here's the quality of the car. Here's what I can offer you in a warranty. Here's the, you know, the, the service after the sale, whatever it looks like. This is what I can do. And this is the expectation I'm going to set for you. And if it works for you, let's go on a journey together. And I'll make it happen. I think that is a healthy way to create these relationships. But I think what we do, and I think you hit it right on the head, is that we're worried that they wanna, won't want to go on the journey with Absolutely. us. So we start painting this picture of a much grander destination than is actually possible, right? You, you, know, you might be promising sandals, and you know, you're taking them pontoon beach, which Absolutely. if you live in the St. Louis area, it's not... A resort community. Let's just say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, Adrian Rogers said something one day. He was talking about, and he's a very, very fa famous preacher for years and years. But he said one day, somebody asked him, he said, why don't you get into sales? And he said, because this is the way I look at it. Anything that you can talk somebody into, somebody else can talk them out of. And I think that's an important part. And you you mentioned that uh, somebody says lawyer, you get a stereotype. Somebody says insurance man. Uh, right tax man you know there's right. so many things right. that we we hit that panic mode because we think of ourselves in that situation or a past experience it puts that that hesitation towards us that is this guy does he have integrity do i trust him this is a large amount of money and i i tell you i try to tell people good or bad and some people i've said stuff to and we just don't agree we don't agree you can tell we're we're not going the same place i extend my hand out for two things a to shake their hand and to get my keys back <laughs> And some, I've told a story to people and they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, if we're not on the same page and the money's not out, what happens when the money comes out? Right. 
I had an old man tell me one day, he said, son, you don't want all money. And he trained me. His name was Jim Linder, and we were in a carpet business. And I said, I don't know what you mean, Jim. He said, not all money's good money. You don't want all money. And I was sitting there thinking yeah. about that. And I was like, as a young kid where you want, you know, you're in there competing over the sales and everything. You're like, all money. I want this money plus that money. And he's like, no, you don't. And as a youngster, I was like, that's giving up. That's uh, perceiving. That's that's taking a look at a situation that you don't know the outcome of it. But I agree with him is that we all have a, a spider sense. We all have a God-given sense in our stomach where we know, hey, this isn't right. And we have to pay attention to it. Not always. I mean, we get we don't want to live emotionally, but eventually your soul and your mind is going to tell you, hey, brother, you're not missing it. Something's not right here. So either stop what you're doing and make it right or excuse yourself and take the next step. But getting back to tonight, man, we're, I'm a repeating person today, but oh, integrity. And I think that's the number, if I could put one thing in sales that I think is the number one thing that's going to make you or break you, it's going to be your integrity. It's going to be how you treat people. 20 years ago, you could turn and burn business. You got a camera, a cell phone and information at your fingertips. You're not turning or burning anybody anymore. There's none of that anymore. You're going to be held to your peers and you're going to be held to what happens uh, instantaneous. So if I can't sell every car, I'd go home beating myself up, but it's okay. It's okay if, if the stock trade you did today didn't go the way. If your biggest adventure this week in business didn't go the way you truly think it is, Maybe it's time for a sabbatical. Maybe yeah. it's time to step back. Maybe it's time to reinvent what you did and quit quit sitting in the corner and beating yourself up and maybe step back and say, hey, did I miss something? We hate mm-hmm. to say that. Mm-hmm. Is this something I wasn't supposed to do or something? Because nobody wants to give up. Nobody wants to admit failure. But we all have to, as we grow older, we have to get that, that clipping, that, uh, that kind of uh, discipline. Yeah. Of, of, of what we're, what, what are we really going to do? Well, that's a huge challenge. And I think that you're, you know, the statement you make about being held accountable by the marketplace is it's true. And now more than ever, it's instantaneous. And it's not that we don't have missteps because we do. In fact, I've been in business 27 years in accounting and advisory and, and, Almost all of our reviews are, are five-star reviews, but every so often we miss it. In fact, not several months ago, I had a client who there was an error and I, I thought we had worked it out with the spouse. And then a review comes up, a negative review by the other spouse who has been a client for so many years. And it was it was really like sad, like they were sad that we didn't make it right is basically mm-hmm. And I didn't know that this was going on in the background. And my response to the review was like, hey, I'm so sorry you missed the mark here. And thank you for the feedback. It helps me and my team to do better because clearly, you know, and of course it was isolated, but still, you know, clearly we, we, we missed it here. And we want to get better. We always want to improve. A rocket loses fuel eventually. Right. Right. It's got to come back to ground. It's got to be maintenance. It's got to be refueled and it's got to have another plan. Yeah, that's right. That's a good way to put it. And so it's not that you're not going to have missteps. It's really, what do I do when I have a misstep, right? First, you, you validate, okay, this, this was real. And, and honestly, what it did for me was it reminded me, you can't just speak with one spouse if you have two people in 
in, in this sort of business relationship. Now, some people would argue and say, hey, you're overthinking it. You know, they just wanted to vent and, you know, this and that. But I take that kind of stuff seriously because I do want to create you the be best possible experience for everyone. You got to be able to grow from it. And so that feedback is important to grow from it. And so now I know if something happens, I need to ask, hey, is, you know, I'm talking with mm-hmm. you, but is so-and-so okay with what we're doing here to make this right? And so, you know, of course, you're, you know, significant other. If it's two people in this, like, for example, if two people came and bought a car from you, right? And one was unhappy Mm -hmm. and you said you make it right. Well, hey, look, you know, so-and-so's, you know, your spouse is on this title too. Mm -hmm. Are they happy with how we're we're fixing this? Because it's going to come out eventually. It's going to come out eventually. So this is the way we learn. Now, it hurts though. It hurts. Constructive criticism is the hardest sometimes. It hurts. It hurts. I lost some sleep that night. Right. And it's not necessarily because I felt bad for me. I felt bad because, wow, you know, I didn't didn't handle this in a way that this person would have made them happy because at the time I didn't have enough information because I hadn't dealt with this kind of an issue before to where it happened in this exact way, right? But that's growth. Mm -hmm. That's growth because in business, you're always going to face a new challenge. The biggest, uh, the biggest, loudest thing in, uh, on my body is my mouth. And eventually, sometimes, as much as it makes us money, sometimes you, we got to listen. And sometimes yeah. my wife gets on me all the time because she's like, you know, those people said something to you, and I don't think you were listening. Mm. And I was, but they weren't on the path that I was on. That, that's not right. Uh. A good friend of mine died two years ago, and I swore he could sell a red popsicle to a, a lady in white gloves in the desert. I mean, mm-hmm. he could always be where his client was was and he was the master at it when he came in if his client was up in the air he rode right underneath them if they were down here not next to him not above him but just right underneath of them and he knew how to work with someone and there'd be because we all have people we just there's some type of uh oh what's the word everybody's got a, a different i don't know how to put this not going to get along with everybody. Every yeah. some, some people run a different road. You're just not going to get together. But man, this guy could really. I'd have you'd have people come in and they'd be so mad, and I'd be like, "Yeah, wait till you get down there with this guy," and he'd be down there, and you'd be like, "Yep, here it goes. It ain't going to get it. Ain't going to get it." And you turn around, and you'd look over, and you'd see it resonate in the customer's head. They step back. The boundaries went went away. They got on the common ground and a genuine common ground, not a fake one. And when they came back up to close the sale, it wasn't, hey, how's it going? And all the fake stuff and the plaid suits and everything you put in there. He developed a real relationship with someone in a short period of time and listened to what they actually wanted. And I heard so many people sit up and tell him, you know, I went to four different places and told people what I want. And when I when we got done, we didn't buy it because I don't feel like they ever listened to us. And I was like, man, I'm answering the questions. I told him the right thing. I did everything. Let me go back. Oh, yes, I did. I've done everything right. But did you stop long enough to listen? Because the old man told me one thing, too. The customer's going to tell you when they're ready to buy, but you can't hear it if you're talking. Yeah. And boy, that was powerful. Yeah, it is. Jeez. So listening, actually, I've had we've had several episodes where listening has come up. So I think it's a thing. <laughs> I think it's a thing. And so I, even talking about, servant leadership as a model for leadership, uh, listening and then empathy are two of the key elements of it and then a number of other ones, but they go hand in hand, right? Because mm-hmm. when, when someone is coming to you for business, generally all business is problem solving. If there weren't problems to solve, we would be out of business. And that includes mm-hmm. opportunities because opportunities are a form of problem. 
we need opportunities because if we don't have them, then our problems will be multiplied in some ways, right? Absolutely. Okay. So if they're coming to you with a problem, then you must have empathy, right? Like, for example, in in the car business, right? I mean, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. I need a car, right? And so I have to listen and have empathy because they're struggling at the moment. You could miss what they're saying, and there's a there's a SUV they didn't want to buy. They didn't like a feature. There's something happened. That last sale, something happened. And somewhere, whether you're selling stocks or bonds or anywhere, someone is telling you about something that happened in the past that didn't work with them. And if you don't listen, you could turn right around and you're closing and be asking them the same thing that they yes. just told you that they didn't want to do. And, you know, that pride thing that sits in their front pocket, it's, it's a hard, and in sales too, you want to, you know, we go back to, you want to have that right thing. But, and I think in our lives too, it's sometimes it's hard when someone reaches out to us and I'll step out the sales thing, like you're talking about leadership. Some people walk up to us and they've told us they're hurting. And then you find out a story later about something that happened to somebody and they're, they're telling it to you. And you're like, I never knew that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, They told it to you, but you, you, you didn't, you weren't a friend enough to listen solely. Not sometimes, uh, and I find myself doing this. I'm waiting for someone to stop talking so I can answer their question because I heard what I wanted to hear and I had solved the whole situation. I was just waiting for their confusion to stop so I could tell them what I was doing. That's the most arrogant thing you can yeah. do. And I, I, I find it happens a lot is that my wife tells me, you know, sometimes she's like, you know, they're, they're explaining stuff to you. And I don't think you heard what they said. <laughs> <laughs> she's a wise woman she's a very wise woman but you know that listening and everywhere you yeah. know it's definitely you got to sell yourself you know i hate people that i shouldn't say hate i, I there's a, a term i hate when people say well i'm not a people person there's billions of people out here you, you better learn to be a people yeah. person you're not yeah. gonna make it anywhere yeah. but uh as much as i as i have that empathy and everything for everyone because we all want to solve and help people is uh my pastor said it the other day he said, uh, and I'm going to go one more rabbit hole. Boy, I'm, I'm going to love today. Holes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, when my son died, he had a, he had a but very, very young age. They had a son that died, not very old. And he said, everybody was coming over to the house. You know, everybody came over and had an antidote. They had a story for me. They, it's going to be okay. It was a lesson. He said, I didn't want a lesson. I didn't want a story. I was, I knew what I was, that we eventually were going to be okay. I knew this was natural. I knew all that, but the situation and where his heart was couldn't change how he felt no matter all the knowledge in the world couldn't change the feelings at that time. He said, there's people that came over and, uh, sat with me, cried with me, just prayed with me. They, I didn't get any money. I didn't get a gift. I didn't get advice. I didn't do nothing. They just shared my grief with me. And he said, you know what? Those people meant more to me than anybody else that showed up at my house. And man, that's strong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's strong. Sometimes the problem isn't, can you fix it? Sometimes it's just bearing your grief with you. Mm-hmm. Even in a business environment, that's, of course, certainly that's. Some people just want to vent to you. They want to tell you what happened yeah. in the last story. They weren't looking for advice or nothing. They just want to tell you, hey, hey, Nate, you know why I'm here today. This is why I'm here. Yeah. That's a hard thing. As I turned 50 this year, you know, that's, that's a, that's a hard thing is there is, is I want to define and I want to answer everybody's question, but I'm going back to, did I hear the question? Do I understand the question? Yeah. Wow. It takes a lot of discernment to do that in the moment. 
And I have a, a colleague who'd say that people hate to be sold, but they love to buy. And so you think of your your model, and I think this is probably speaking to both of us and others right now, is, is just we dig into, you know, what does it really mean to listen? I mean, how do you, you know, how do you, I think listening has another factor, which is quieting your own mind, right? Because that's what, in a way, you're talking about waiting for the other person to stop speaking so that you can start speaking. Well, you're already thinking about what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Instead of truly, like really in, intentionally, actively listening. And sometimes there's so much going on and so much noise in our own heads. And I think maybe maybe we don't look at it from the sales perspective. Look at it at home. I know I've been guilty so many times of just nod my head. <laughs> <laughs> Appeasing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I've told my wife, and shame on me for even saying this. I would say, if you need my attention, tell me, look me in the eye, get my get my eyes and look at your eyes and say, I need your undivided attention. And so shame on me for even saying that, right? That I have to actually have her. Are you asking a real question? <laughs> You're almost boldly saying that. So are you asking a tangible question or talking? Yeah, exactly. Like some of the things you say, I don't really need to hear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is terrible. Right. In and of itself. Because I shouldn't have to do that. I should, when someone, when, when I've, when I've committed to speaking with someone and listening, I need to commit without them adding additional sort of reminders that, hey, this is something you really need to listen to. Now, I've also said at home, if you see I'm typing, you see I'm texting or doing something, just wait until I'm finished before you start speaking because I, I just can't, I can't multitask. But that's also creating that, that those borders of integrity, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm setting these boundaries saying, look, if I'm doing this right now, it's a really good chance that I won't be able to multitask and give you my undivided attention. Yeah. So, and if it's important, say, hey, look, would you mind putting that down for a minute because I've got something important to share? And then I can give you my undivided attention. I think that right now in our current overstimulated environment when it comes to technology especially you know we can really take a moment to just quiet our minds do you find that when you truly listen that there's sort of this 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 flow i mean when you come into a quiet time when your mind i think eventually to be an entrepreneur you've got to be able to wear many hats you know i have people come in and all the time they're like do you own the place and i kind of laugh because i don't want an arrogance i tell them well, i clean the toilet do the paperwork <laughs> and, and we all it kind of clears the room it yeah. settles the the deal but i really think that there is multiple things that that you're going to do to where sometimes we can freehand we can run by the seat of our pants for a week you know you're spontaneous you come up with the right ideas you're bright you can think on your feet very quickly which i think to be an entrepreneur you have to be able to think on your feet because you you can't predict what's going to come it's it's things are going to get thrown at you from all different kind of angles. And as being a leader is not the problems is what you do with the problems. You know, how did you handle the problems? But I just think, and, and, and all that is, is the main thing that I think is, can I be a problem solver or can I be a, uh, a friend to someone when I sell them something, I can be a friend to them, but I can't be a problem solver. I can't sell somebody something and tell them this car is never going to have problems. I can't say you're going to spend money. You're never going to have issues. I can't do that, but I can, I can sit to find people's questions. Does this car have that feature? If I buy this car at 48 months versus 62 months, what's, what's the difference here? And that's where I don't really want to sell people something. 
I just want to be there as a resource. When you come in, you're going to have questions. Uh, I'm not a carpenter because I'm not good at it. I'm not a plumber because I'm not good at it. So when I go to see a professional, it's because I don't know everything that's going on there. I count on them to do it. But the professionals that help me the most are ones that listen to me and solve my problems by doing that. So I, I try, I'm trying to get to where when people come in, am, am I selling them a car or am I, am I listening to a need that someone has and putting the best solution possible? Not my solution or their solution, but a, a sum of everything that's involved in that to where it's beneficial. Cause a deal is, is a deal when it's beneficial to both people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you transitioned from being employed, getting a paycheck to going out on your own, you went from leaving problems at the dealership to taking problems home with you at night. <laughs> Absolutely. What kind of recommendations do you have for someone who is on the cusp thinking possibly go out on their own? Or maybe I should phrase it in a way, what were you thinking? A lot of people that, that, and I didn't go to college, I had issues with school and I was like, oh, college is the last thing on my mind. Well, procrastination is the mother of all inventions. I, I never got back into it. And and we all will suffer. We you, You'll grow skills later and learn how, you know, dog has three legs. He's eventually going to learn how to walk on three legs. He's going to live through it and find out, you know, the do's and the don'ts. And he may be better on three legs, but I didn't have the time management skills that college kind of professes for you. I, and that, that's, that's me. I think number one thing in college is, is teaching people's time management is you got six things to do. How am I going to get them all done? They're not possible, but college teach you they are possible because you've got to break the big problems down. And I think anybody that's going into being self-employed, that's the biggest thing is you don't have a manager telling you, Nate, you need to be here at nine. Nate, did you do this? Nate, did you call your customers? Nate, you, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And, mm -hmm. and I think the biggest thing that I tell people is, You've got to be able to manage yourself more than people, money, or your business. You've got to be able to manage your time. And when you can manage your time, you will be the sharpest, most effective person you can. Because when you're W-2, you're looking for 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, I'm going to go home. When you're not W-2, it's not 5 o'clock. There is no time. You're thinking, of when am I going to get this done? Because... It, it's not over at five. It's all up to me. I don't have an HR department. I don't have this department. It's all up to me. So as I get older, I would tell someone, the biggest thing you need to do is make goals for yourself that are attainable and achieve those goals. Because if you don't and everything is just, you'll get to it and you'll get to it, you'll get inundated and you'll be out of business. You've got to discipline yourself to to get stuff done in a certain amount of time. And I'm, I'm the king of procrastination. So it, it's hard for me, but sometimes I've just got to stop. You got to lock the door. Sometimes after we're closed, I'll shut the door, shut the computer and shut the phone off and I'll get back and do what I need to do to finish my day. Yeah. I think that comes full circle to our original conversation around saying no, because time management is about discipline and mm -hmm. about the discipline to have the integrity to say, here's all I can do. And so I'm a huge proponent of time management. I, um, I put everything on a calendar and if I can get it done, I can get it done. If not, and I manage a lot of things. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a busy guy, right? People are always actually more than often, more often than not. When people call me, the first thing they say is Nate, Hey Nate, I know you're busy. So there must be an aura <laughs> around that, but, but busy is not bad. As long as you're not overcommitted, I like to be busy. I like to have mm -hmm. an active life and I want to blaze into heaven, right? I don't want to hit the pause button. I, I don't retirement to me is like putting me in, into a prison, mm -hmm. right? So I want to continue to, to just continue to grow and give, grow, give, grow, give, right? Contribute. But I can't do that 
if I don't have the discipline to manage my time effectively, right? That at least, and I say even our time. Something time. will give out. It's either going to be you, uh, God forbid, your family, your wife, your business partner. Something is, you know, it's like a water bottle filling. Eventually, if you don't take the pressure off, it's going to bust somewhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? And usually it's going to be the place you don't want it to be. Right. And that, that goes right back into the no like, trust, buy. Because your trust level increases or decreases based on how, in some ways, you're able to follow through on your commitments. And so even the time factor, when people are constantly, you know, the kids, when they, you know, they're doing their little jobs that they have, I always tell them, be 10 minutes early. Don't be two minutes late. Because even if the manager doesn't say it's a big deal, it's a big deal. Because people are watching to see whether you are honoring your commitment. And that's part of your contract. If, you, if you're supposed to be at work at 11, and here in the United States at least, I know in some other countries it's, it's more fluid. But generally, when, you're, when you make an agreement, you honor that agreement. So show up early. I always, my philosophy is if you're 10 minutes, if you're 10 minutes early, you're late. And, of course, I say that with a little bit of, of grace because that gives me a little bit of, of wiggle room. Right. But that's part of the time factor. And so if we can do that consistently and, and talk about creating habits, 21 days it takes to create a habit. Right. We were talking about that pre this show episode. And so uh, in in your walk, as, as we close, what the time management piece is important, the integrity piece is important. If you were to do it all over again, what would you go back and change from getting started in business as an entrepreneur? Uh, self-employed if anything when i was in the car business they always said the only way you're going to get promoted is to quit to go to somewhere else and i was like man that's horrible but a lot of times if you do something well enough a company will let you stay stagnant what uh -huh. bob's been in the mailroom for 20 years we've barely given him right. raise he shows up every day and does right. everything is bob going to get broke. a promotion <laughs> no bob bob's bob's a keystone to the piece they're, they're going to let him sit there till he gets t stagnant and tired of it but I tell you what, what I would probably, if I could change anything over again, it would be to follow through with, with some things because there's been times that I've quit some things that you decided that it's time to throw the towel in or have you decided not to take the other step because I can see what's ahead of me. And it wasn't wisdom that was making that decision. It was my, my temper, my energy, you know, things that exhausted. And I decided that I didn't want to take the further step. You can talk yourself in anything because it wasn't worth it. So whether it's your customer, your job or whatever, there's more worth to things. And mom definitely talked about in her walk later on where, where her life was fulfilled because she, something she turned her back on came later and everything will happen in, in due time. But sometimes the door's only going to open so many times. So my suggestion to it is when someone opens it and stick your hand out, what does it cost to say yes? Yeah. You can, we can say no later. Yeah. But this is maybe one time where you, you need to, to step back. And I guess the number one thing, and, and we'll, this is where it's going to go full circle is, is you need to pray and talk to your family about it and yeah. not, not just your idea. You need to include someone else in. you need to include the Lord in it. You need to clean a cohort. You need to bounce your ideas off of someone else. When you're going that far, you need to consult someone else to say, Hey, cause you might've missed something because when we got that helmet of arrogance and ego on, yeah. you're going straight in the wall. You just can't see it. Wow. Don't go it alone. Yeah, don't <laughs> go it alone. Put the Lord in there. That's that's the number one person that, that's going to do anything more for you. And the other thing is, is instead of me going home and tell my wife how bad the whole stinking day was, did, in the morning, did I ask her what I could have done better? No, I just went home and told her 
how everything went wrong. Like she's my punching bag as to say, Mm -hmm. but in the morning, did I, did I console her on what I should do before all these problems happen? No, because I got the I got the helmet of pride on, and the brick wall's coming. That is strong. That is strong. Charles Casey. Hey, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. This is fantastic. I know those listening. You've touched someone today. I'd love to have you back, and Absolutely. I'd love to share the story of the back end on what it's like for the family when you take this responsibility of being self-employed on challenges, growth strengthening hair loss whatever it might look like (laughs) absolutely amen amen it's good to see you my brother good to see you thanks for being on the show thank you well my friend thank you for joining me on this episode of a call to leadership if you've been listening you've probably heard me talk about our accounting and advisory business and this show was actually born out of that business those relationships i found that entrepreneurs and professionals were missing aspects of their leadership that fed into their bottom line and helped their businesses be successful so i'm so thankful that i've had all those years in that area to feed into this and the truth is that so many people still need accounting and advisory help and they don't know where to go if you're in that place where you feel oh my goodness my tax person or my accountant i can't find them or maybe the service wasn't up to my expectations do not despair i'll leave how you can find us in the show notes and one of my team members can do some discovery and help you along your journey you're not alone my friend you always have help i'm dr nate sala can't wait to see you on the next show a call to leadership